This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 069, Interrupt Autopilot Through Adventure with Bernie Lavoie. I think my favorite part of this episode is when our guest today tells a story about scrolling through Facebook on her phone one night, restless and unable to sleep. She did what most of us do and started looking at her phone for something to entertain herself. An ad catches her eye, and the next day she wakes up to a big credit card charge and a life-changing journey began. How many times have you sat in front of the TV or on your phone trying to find something to enjoy because you feel bored or unfulfilled? I think that's pretty common. And why we need stories like this one to inspire us to make a change and do something different. If you're not careful, years can pass by and nothing has happened that has challenged you to live a full life. To me, that's a recipe for regret. I remember a time in my life when every day was basically the same as yesterday. At first, that was comfortable and I settled into that, but then it just became monotonous and boring. I was in a rut. What was worse was that I didn't know how to change it, so I settled in thinking this is what my life was going to be at this stage. The problem was, it wasn't enough. I buried that feeling while telling myself, you have a good life, be grateful, why want more? But truthfully, I knew that I didn't want to settle. I knew that, but I was comfortable, and the thought of breaking out of that caused two problems to arise. One, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and two, I was too scared to try. It really is true. Everything you want is on the other side of your comfort zone, and that is what I found. I went back to my mantra that I had from years earlier when I was always trying to do something that would blow my mind every once in a while. I started trying new things, taking action before I was ready, believing wholeheartedly that if I jumped, the net would appear, and it has every time, and I believe it will for you too. 
Our guest today shares the incredible story of making a decision to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and how that quick decision has changed who she is and how she will continue to live her life. I watched her journey up the top of the peak, and as I witnessed her triumph with thousands of other people, I was completely moved and inspired by her success and needed to give her a place to share her story. She has so much to be proud of, and on top of reaching the summit, she also raised over $20,000 for a charity that's close to her heart. This is a must-listen to, and please do send it to your friends who could use a change-up and a little adventure in their lives. It may not be climbing a mountain, but at least have an attitude of adventure and push a bit outside your comfort zone. You will feel so good. Bernadette Lavoie has been owner and operator of North Country Medispa in Prince Albert for almost 20 years. Hailing from a farm near Albertville, she was raised with old school values of appreciation for hard work. Her passion for challenge and adventure took her around the world until settling back in her hometown. She has always looked to diversification and has thought outside the box when it came to developing her business. Her entrepreneurial spirit and ambition to explore new trends has kept her at the forefront of her industry. Her community involvement and willingness to give back to the community has taken center stage in recent years, along with her two daughters, which brings her much fulfillment. Welcome to the show, Bernie. I'm so happy that you're here. Your story inspired me so much. I loved watching you on social. I cannot wait to, to give you an opportunity to share your story with everybody here because I know they're going to love it as much as I did. Thanks for showing up today. Thank you for having me. I, re- I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's quite exciting. So take us back to the beginning. So you climbed a mountain. <laughs> Where did this all begin? Did you always want to climb a mountain? What happened here? Well, um, I've always had quite an adventurous spirit. I've traveled a lot in my youth and um, I lived in Italy for a while. So I wasn't a stranger to hiking through the Alps. I wouldn't so much call myself a mountain climber as I am more of a hiker. Um, In about 2016, I took my, at the time, 15 year old and we did Machu Picchu together in Peru, which is a four to five day climb through the Andes. So that was about as grueling as I had done. But Mount Kilimanjaro uh, was um, slightly more uh, adventurous and challenging. Okay, how many kilometers difference is it? Because actually a four to five day hike up a mountain sounds like a lot to me. Well, it was. This was this was uh, over the course of six to seven days, Mount Kilimanjaro. So essentially, you climb for five days through multiple climate zones and through multiple terrain um, until you reach the fifth day, which is your summit day, and then it's two days down. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to back you right up here. So I know you happen to be a business owner in my local city and you had shared with me a little bit of a blog that you've been writing about this experience and kind of take us back to the beginning of that because you were, you were caught in the scroll, weren't you? I was caught in the scroll. It was, it was late at night and I couldn't sleep. And I was of course going scrolling through my phone and there was an adventure company that was advertising an awe-inspiring trip to summit Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa. So um, without further research or um, 
any type of knowledge of the mountain. I pulled out my credit card and pulled the trigger on booking and I just booked it for myself. I thought this sounds like something that I would want to do on my own. So then I woke the next morning to a very large credit card bill and um, I thought, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Okay, that story is so funny. So, okay, why? So you were scrolling, but like, was it that you felt kind of stagnant in your life? Like adventure had subsided? Like what was happening in your world that made you just go for it? As we all know, COVID um, put a dent in our travel. And I've always felt as though travel is an escape for me. It's escape from everyday reality And more importantly, it gives me something to look forward to and something to work towards. So for a couple of years with COVID, we had none of that. Um, And I I knew I wanted to do something big. Uh, I'm 49 right now. I turn 50 next year. I thought I would do that big trip when I turned 50. But I thought, you know, why wait? We know what's going on in the world we know there's war, we know there's pandemics, I thought I'm going to take the opportunity and just pull the trigger now, just book it and do it and worry about it later. Oh, I love that. Has there been other times in your life? I'm just curious, we haven't talked about this at all. But has there been other times in your life where you're like, I can't, I can't do these things for myself. And you know, you kind of fall into a pattern of like, okay, this is enough This is what I'm doing. And you just kind of go through the motions. Has that ever happened to you? Well, it has, but I try not to let myself go down that rabbit hole too far. Usually I check myself and I say, I need something to look forward to. I need something to work towards, uh, whether I share it with my two daughters and they come with me, whether it be an experience or, a, or travel or whatnot. Um, I always try to have a goal or a plan in place that just keeps me going. Hmm, I like it. So adventure. Do you know anybody that is lacking adventure in their life? And what would you say to them if they are? I know quite a few people that are lacking adventure. And um, they just, it's, it's all based around fear, I find I, the fear of travel, the fear of I know I got from a lot of people, you're going on your own, like, aren't you scared? It's like you have to push past that fear and that anxiety to be able to get to the good stuff. And I've I've always felt that way. When I was younger, I wanted to go away and work on cruise ships. and, And I waited for friends. And there was about a handful that said they were coming. Had I waited, I would have never have gone because they never came. So I went on my own. I wanted to be a flight attendant in Dubai. If I would have waited for my girlfriend, I would have never have gone. So I went. So all of these opportunities came from my own goals and my own, um, well, basically not being fearful to try something by myself and to just face the world as it is. This is fascinating to me, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times the work that I do with people, I I run into a common thread or a common story about, you know, this is this is good enough. I'll just settle in. And the reason that they do that is because they're so afraid of being alone, of doing things on their own. You know, t- tell us about 
how you overcome that? Do you find that every time you do something by yourself, it gets a little less scary? Or how does it feel to do something and be so empowered to do it by yourself and not count on anyone else? You know, I've been doing it for so long. And I've also raised two daughters on my own. I took over my parents' family farm, which is quite large, um, on my own. And I've just been rolling that way for so many years that, you know, it may even be considered um, a little too independent in, in, some, in some ways. But um, in fact, I find it easier now to do things on my own than to ask for help. But um, to be honest, climbing that mountain I did have to uh, ask for help and support and I became, I went the other way. I became to really appreciate having people to support me and to help me. And actually I've, I've sort of woken up to that, that it's okay to accept help. It's okay to accept somebody guiding you. And uh, I I turned a corner um, definitely on this trip in that regard. Oh, man, I can relate to that so much. It's like you get so that you're so strong and so independent that not only is it difficult to ask for help, but even when it's offered to you, I have found that it's actually hard to accept it. And you have to open that door, like you say, turn that corner and just allow it. Yeah, I, I have struggled with that for a very long time, personally, in relationships, and in work. Um, so that now I really realize that even on this trip, like between the porters and the guides and the cooks and the, even the members on, on the climb, whether it was su- supporting you with a drink of water, knowing the right thing to say to keep you going, accepting that support is, is so important. And um, someone gave me a quote and said, personal victories are satisfying, but shared victories are sublime. And when I got to the top of that mountain, the real victory was celebrating with my co-climbers Um, and that at the end of the day, it's the people around you that make the journey and not necessarily always doing things by yourself. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So take us back to that then take us back to, okay. You, you book a, you book a trip, you decide you're doing it. Now you are, because there it is. There's the credit card purchase. You got to do it. So uh, in conversation, you had shared with me that you didn't even know where this was, really. <laughs> right. I I wasn't, people said, well, where is it? And I'd say, well, I have to get back to you on that. Um, so I was, I was doing some, some research. Uh, an important note was that I started reading about people who had climbed Kilimanjaro for charity. So I started looking into this. And in in particular, there was a gentleman from Prince Edward Island who had the goal of raising $19,341, which is the the same amount of feet to summit Mount Kilimanjaro. And he was raising that amount of money for um, some African farmers. So my first thought went to Hope's Home in Prince Albert. And I thought, this is a crazy idea. I reached out to Mickey McGilvery and I said, this is a crazy idea, but would you be interested in doing this fundraiser? 100% goes to Hope's Home and we'll see if people will sponsor a dollar a foot. And it started out with my mom and some friends and it really snowballed after that. Okay. Did you do it? 
I absolutely did it about a week or two before I left for Kilimanjaro. We not only reached our goal, we smashed our goal. I mean, there's donations still coming in and I hope they keep coming because last I checked, we were up to um, over $25,000. Oh, Bernie, oh, that is absolutely fantastic. How incredible is this? Your story is just so inspiring to me. I'm going to make sure I have to do something like this. I'm going to do it myself. Thank you for inspiring that. I have the most exciting announcement to make. Lead Conference Canada is launching in 2023 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on November 3rd and 4th. This is the first of its kind Canadian event where we will feature a powerful lineup of both professional and inspirational speakers to help you feel empowered to lead your life. No need to spend tons of time and money traveling abroad to an event of this caliber. We are bringing the world-class speakers to you. You are invited to join us for an incredible two days of connection, motivation, and inspiration. The reality is that all of us will go through periods in our lives where we feel burned out, stuck, or unsatisfied. This is why we need an event like Lead Conference Canada. Because through connecting with others, learning through their stories, you can find your own spark again to feel empowered to move forward with confidence. This high-energy, personal growth event will offer you the perfect mix of inspiration and practical how-tos. We have already launched a few of our powerhouse speakers, including Arlene Dickinson and Christina Kuzmich, but there is much more to come, so much more. Join the Lead Conference Canada email list to get in on all of the details and have a chance to get the best seats at the lowest price. Make sure and head to corliss.ca forward slash lead 2023 now. I have so many thoughts going through my mind. So I want to pull this back just a little bit because what happened was you made a decision. I know what's good for me and I need adventure. I need travel. I'm, I'm becoming stagnant. I got to make a decision and you just acted on it. So you didn't even know where you were going, what it was going to entail. You were just like, I got to do it. So that's the first thing I really want to pull out of your story so that everybody who's sitting there going, I don't know, how does she do that? Her story is so great, but how does it apply to my life? That's the first thing. The mm -hmm. second thing is, is that she became inspired by something bigger. So a purpose that she connected a purpose to it that was like, not only do I want to challenge myself, but I could even, you know, challenge myself to go way past my comfort zone and, you know, do something for a cause that means something to me as well. So there's, there's the second piece of the puzzle, I think that's important. Everybody realize because it's one thing to, you know, take action and then, you know, overcome that fear. But the next thing is, is what's going to make you follow through is to have a purpose bigger than you. Mm -hmm. People who know me know that I love to give back. That's very, very important to me. And Hope's Home was like I say, the first charity that came to mind because it hit home with some of my friends who have had children there and, um, and how, what, what a unique facility it is in our community. And you're right. Like I wanted to do something for myself, but more importantly, I wanted to do something for others. And I mean, people say that, but I really wanted to to do it. And I really wanted to, and I got very, very focused on reaching that goal. Um, I, I booked the trip in October, I was climbing in January, and right up until 
a week or two before I, I hit my goal, my full focus was trying to raise money through social media, news, advertising, even Scott Moe plugged me on his Twitter account. So I think that um, once I reached that goal, then the real reality set in. It's like, holy holy cow, like I have to climb in a couple of weeks here. I had been working out. I had been working out to old school DVDs in my basement. But um, before I knew it, I was I was on a plane to Tanzania. <laughs> so good. And you know, on the fundraising part, part of it, but here's what I'm pulling out of this is one step at a time keeps coming into my mind because you had to do one step at a time as to, you know, to tackle actually achieving your goal and reaching the top. But also you said $1 at a time. Sometimes we look at things that they're so big and so astronomical that we almost become paralyzed. Like it's like, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. But if we just pull it back to just take the first step and then take the first step again, one step at a time, you'll get there, right? Yeah. And that's a very good point because that's how I looked at it. You know, I just needed 19,341 people donating $1 to get me to my goal for Hope's Home. So that's how, so that's why I sort of promoted it just a dollar a foot. Well, then it just made it easier for people to donate $5, to donate $1, to donate $2,000. And I'd always, always personally message that the person who donated and say, you know what, that got you 2000 steps up the mountain. So, um, yeah, and it made people feel like they were going on this journey with me. And they really were. I tried to keep it as interactive as possible, keep people up to date. And um, yeah, it, it just took off. I, I just can't believe the response it got from the community. Aww. And it's going to continue. Your, your power of one is really alive and well here because you're going to inspire other people to do something like you've done here. So well done, Bernie. Now take us, take us to the bottom of the mountains here at the, okay, you've arrived in Tanzania. You didn't even know where you were only three months later. You had earlier, you had booked it. Now you're at the bottom of it and you got to climb this mountain. What was it like? Did, were there days that it was so hard? Did you ever feel like giving up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so while researching it, it never really occurred to me that I may not summit, I may not reach the top. But as I was researching, I realized that about 30% don't, and mainly because they suffer from altitude sickness. So my preparation was take the altitude medication, pack what they suggested, make sure I pack lots of layers and, and, you know, and, and then the pressure of some pressure set in because all of these people are waiting for me to summit and oh no what if I get sick my mom had even told the local priest and he was rooting for me and all the your, your cronies in the retirement home so I really felt like I didn't want to let people down so when I when I arrived to Tanzania I just focused on being very careful what I was eating um, making sure I was getting lots of sleep the couple of days before I climbed and um, just being well prepared. And as we started on the first day, we start in the rainforest and it's, it's quite good terrain. And it seemed pretty good that first night. And the first night was relatively warm. So we, we sleep in tents, we do have porters and, and uh, people who set up camp for us and, and, our, and you know, provide us with our meals. And, but as we started climbing higher and higher, of course, it gets harder and harder to breathe. 
So our lungs are working harder, our muscles are working harder, and uh, it's getting colder. And that's one thing uh, anyone who knows me knows that I don't like snowmobiling, I don't like skiing, I don't like being cold. So I really struggled with being cold at night. I, I swear I wore every piece of clothing that I had packed every night. Like you could see your breath. It was down to like minus 20 some nights. So it, it was chilly. No kidding. So you're minus 20 and you're sleeping in a tent? We're sleeping in a tent. And in some areas we were sheltered a bit more if we were sleeping in a canyon. But uh, there was there was one night that it was a wide open rock and it was cold. It was so cold and it was damp. And um, that night I really questioned what I was doing there. Wow. And okay, so you had said you didn't want to let people down because you had taken people on this journey with you, right? I get that on so many levels. That'll be a conversation for us personally another time, but I'm actually climbing my own mountain right now, figuratively, and I've taken people on the journey with me and I don't want to let them down. So I certainly understand that. But that's also what kind of inspires you to keep going, isn't it? At least that's my experience. It really is. And and the people like the guides, the local Tanzanian guides um, gave great advice too. I mean, the first day I was setting out, I, I was expressing to, to my, my Sherpa, I said, you know, like, what if I don't make it? And he said, you know, along the way, um, you'll want to quit. And that's just your body trying to cheat you. He said, in your, it's really your mind and your faith that'll bring you to that summit. And those words never left me the entire climb. And they really stress about, they say pole pole in African, which means slow, slow. And that's, that's exactly the, the mindset you have to take while doing this. And the reason they say slow, slow is because you have to focus on your breathing, you have to focus on your body adjusting to the climate and to the altitude. And it's definitely not a race. You'll get there eventually, just like as you do in life. You just got to go slowly and one step at a time. Mm, so good. Okay, so take us to the summit. I watched your video. I was I was bawling, Bernie. I was bawling with you. I was like, look at her. <laughs> it was so extraordinary to watch you succeed and you could feel it even through a computer screen or through a phone. I watched it a couple of times actually. And it's what inspired me to reach out to you because I can't imagine what you must've been feeling in that moment. Is there words to describe it? Well, that was probably the hardest night of my life. So it started some at night. Um, you sleep for about three hours and then they wake you up at 11 PM to start the final climb. So this would be about day five. Okay, so you've been climbing for days, you're tired, you're cold, you're, you're exhausted, right? You had, you had hiked that entire day, slept for four hours, three or four hours, and then they wake you up at 11pm. So you're tired, it's freezing cold. And you begin your journey to summit the final six hours. So you're basically following a line of head torches like everyone's got a little lamp on their head because they do this at night and you see people snaking their way through the darkness 
at, look, at what looks like a 90 degree angle into the sky. So literally these head torches, they seem to combine with the stars. It's actually looking up was not a friend to me. I preferred just to look at the feet in front of me because it was so discouraging looking up because it never ended. Um, the altitude makes uh, it very hard to get oxygen and it's so thin, the air is so thin up there and it takes every effort just to take a breath. So you're hiking through sand and pebbles and it's so steep that sometimes you actually have difficulty standing upright. So your Sherpa is behind you kind of holding you up and it's dangerous. Like there's no, there's no guide rails or ropes or anything like that. It's, it's just traveling through the night, 90 degree angle. But, you know, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I thought, as long as I do that, I'll reach the top. So for anyone who questions their physical fitness, it's really just willpower and sheer determination, which gets a person there. So I essentially had to not only summit it physically, but more so it's a mental thing. And there was a point where I think I was about an hour and a half from the top and I, they don't let you take breaks because you get too cold. And there was one point I was sat on a rock and I was trying so hard not to cry. And I thought I have to push past this and pushing past that moment changed me. Something changed when I pushed, I've never been pushed so hard physically and mentally. And you hear about people doing Everest and K2 and that they came back and they're different. Well, I, I honestly think that I'm different from that experience. This is awesome. This is just awesome. I, I barely have any other words to describe it. Uh, the other day I was reading uh, a book, Reinvention. It's called by Arlene Dickinson. And Arlene Dickinson is coming to the League Conference later this year to speak here in Saskatchewan. And and I really wanted to like read her story. And there's one, this one chapter about purpose. And she talks about this one night she went and slept on the streets in Toronto to mm-hmm. in support of Covenant House, I think it's called, in Toronto, mm-hmm. where is where is a, a place for you know, homeless youth. And she even talks about in there, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but she talks in there about how when she went in there, she saw, you know, these young people that could have been working and thought, why don't you go get a job? Or why aren't you in school? And she said, and then I went and slept on the streets in Toronto, like to experience what they what they experienced, like the kids who were on the street or homeless people. And she said that night changed everything in her. She said how vulnerable she felt, how afraid she Mm -hmm. was, how it was so different to put herself in in the position and stop judging and actually, you know, consider what puts people on the street in the first place and that somehow they feel safer on the streets than they even do in their own home, these kids. Mm -hmm. And she, like that whole story, how she said it, it it reminds me of what you're saying because she said that night changed her everything about her, it changed her. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you meet that that point where you face something within yourself that you just can't go back anymore, right? Well, and it, and it really humbled me to my core. Like taking that final step um, on the crater, because uh, it's a volcano, right? I literally just collapsed. And 
pride because what in life I thought was never possible, suddenly all of those things did become possible. It's as though it renewed my sense of like self-confidence and fearlessness. And I learned one very important thing that if everything fails in my life, I, I know I can rely on myself. And so after I picked myself up and dried my eyes, I, I sat there and just took in the most incredible sunrise of my life on the top of that mountain, like overlooking Africa. And when I did that video, I mean, I had rehearsed what I was going to say for five days and nothing came out <laughs> that I had planned. Um, I, I There was one take and my toes were frozen and my hands were frozen. And uh, to be honest, when I got to the bottom and reviewed my video, I was like, I didn't even remember it. It was just, I was literally in a state of shock and awe that I had accomplished that. Aww. You push to your limits. And I really love that word that you said it humbled you. And isn't that mm -hmm. kind of how it goes in life sometimes is like we we have to become humbled, like to a place where we discover something different, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and just to find that, you know, I find that in the world today, we get swept up with instant gratification, um, looking for the next like, looking for the next... Um, you know, like I said, like any, anything that will make us feel better about, about ourselves. But when you're forced to move up a mountain at a snail's pace, um, that slow and deliberate pace allows you to, to almost take, take your life in and make you reevaluate what's important. And since I've been back, I'm not scrolling anymore. And I'm not, I'm more present and I find that I want to take in every moment of life because as I was climbing, you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're just focused on yourself and your own physical achievement. But um, it, it was just it, it was it was life changing. I, I have to say it was just the most amazing experience ever. <laughs> Bernie, I am so proud of you. I know that seems like a weird thing to say, but I am truly so proud of you. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to share this story with us. Thank you. Incredible. So is there anything else that you want to share kind of about this experience, about the story, any, any wisdom that you want to make sure that people take away from this? You've given us a lot today. Well, I find that Kilimanjaro taught me that life's not a race. It's slow and methodical, and it doesn't matter what pace you go at. And in life, if you look backwards, or such as when you're running a race, if you look backwards, it slows you down. And if you look too far ahead, it stresses you out. So I just, I just say it's always one foot in front of the other, focusing on the moment. And if you have a goal, one step in front of the other will definitely help you get there. Incredible. Incredible. Thank you again so much. Now I do have the closing questions. I know we've narrowed it down to two before I let you go. Um, I have, must ask you those because people look forward to them. The first one is because this is a, a real leadership podcast because leadership is evolving in our world. As far as I can tell, you're certainly leading. That's for sure. Tell us what leadership means to you. Uh, leadership for me is 
I'll tell you what it isn't. It isn't like as a, a business owner and being a boss of many people over the years, it's definitely not an overinflated sense of self-worth or power. It's um, being giving, having the ability to help people. It's uh, using your knowledge and your experience to um, help people advance in their careers. And it's more about that for me now. It's not so much of me advancing, it's helping other people to advance. And just like that mountain, there's no, there's no shortcuts in life. There's no way to cheat the system or, or rig it. You, you just have to put in the hard work. And at the end of the day, everyone's the same. Everyone puts in, you know, um, wants the best for themselves and wants to put in the effort and get where, where they're going. And I really feel like, like I said, leadership for me is helping other people. Mm, thank you. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. So the final closing question is based on all of the highs and all of the lows that you've had in your life. If you could just leave one piece of advice, what would you want to leave behind? Don't be scared to do it by yourself. And don't wait for other people to do it with you because you'll be waiting a long time. And uh, just make that jump and and go for it. Because uh, a, a very good friend of mine years ago said, Bernie, I'd never want to be in a position to say, if only I had, or I wish I would have. So don't ever put yourself in that position. Um, when my when my children are grown up, they won't talk about, you know, my mom drove this vehicle, or, you know, we did this on, you know, they're going to say like, my, my mom, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro when she was 49. That's the kind of stuff people remember. Thank you again for sharing. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.